We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Mad Max on February 15th, 1980. The story was written by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, adapted to screenplay by George Miller and James McCausland, and directed by George Miller, and released by Roadshow Film Distributors. Uh, Although it's at the beginning of the movie here, it has american international or something like that yeah I, I did not recognize the logo when it came up yeah it's it's the company that bought the the international distribution rights for it um it was shot for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars over the course of 12 weeks and made 100 million dollars in the u.s box office alone Damn. which is the best turnaround until the blair witch project in right. terms of ratio which which uh which cost like sixty thousand. I can't even believe it cost that much. It, yeah. Well, apparently it cost sixty thousand, but it made two hundred and forty-eight million. Yeah, that's which crazy. Is insane. <laughs> um, George Miller was a medical doctor who literally doctored out of a car well, do you know to what raise holds, money to make this movie. Do you know what holds the the number one spot now? Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, which is insane because basically because that was sick, about sixty thousand too, right? Fifteen thousand. Oh, was it really? He literally shot it like in his house. On his own, like that's funny. <laughs> yeah, fifteen thousand dollars made one hundred and ninety-three million. Isn't that crazy? Well, spawned how many sequels? Like how many residual at, checks? At least there's, four sequels so th- far. Yeah, I was gonna say there's been four. And they were in the second one, right? Or were um, they not in anything? I oh, think they it, they were in a cameo in the second yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, they they made a small appearance. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the second one. <laughs> it's well, we know, it's we a know good the, franchise. Though. We know the director of. Oh God, the I'm not gonna third or fourth one. I, I think it's third and. Fourth fourth one he he edited the the first one though right wasn't he an editor on the the second one what's his name greg yeah greg plotkin yeah yeah um he was an editor with in your editorial office for the backup plan correct yes wonderful j-lo vehicle (laughs) that was when j-lo laughed at your joke oh at the rap party yeah yeah (laughs) i'm funny um so yeah he uh, george miller literally raised money by by doing house calls driving around with his friend i think that's really weird um, like yeah can, can you just be a like traveling physician like is that I think something that's you could just like do the future of american healthcare is going to be like <laughs> uber you got like you're going to have like jim dale and pete's dragon just going from town to town yeah, <laughs> yeah. uber uber red and they just call an ambulance to your house. Well, like, but come he work on you. but he saw so much like carnage when he was yeah. A lot of the specific accidents that yeah, resulted from these wrote kind of it into car the script. Let's write um, these terrible things into a movie. That'll be really delightful. Or maybe it was like a nightcrawler situation, and he was just filming accidents as he arrived on the scene as a and doctor, then, and then started causing them eventually because <laughs> he was addicted. Well, his original plan was to have it be like a reporter or something like that right but you know he couldn't figure out why a reporter would like be in all these places and yeah. have their family killed and all this stuff and well apparently the germ of the the story idea came from an australian gas shortage uh because george miller and uh 
Byron Kennedy, who he was writing it with, um, were noticing the violent lengths that people were going to to keep their cars mobile. Like right. someone would try and cut off a line at a gas station and people would threaten to beat the crap out right. of them. And if this is what happens when people are out of gas for a short period of time, like that were totally civil a day or two ago, like what yeah, would like, happen? What are we going to do if there's a legitimate long-term gas shortage? Right. Well, like the trigger effect. Yeah. Um, apparently Judy Davis accompanied her classmates, uh, Mel Gibson and, uh, Bisley, who plays Goose, um, to their auditions for the movie. Right. And uh, you'll remember Judy Davis from, from our my, first, my brilliant career. Our, is that our first review? Uh, not our first review. I think it was our third review, but it was our first Australian review. It was <laughs> our first, this is our it second. It was our first good movie. Yes. Um. <laughs> uh, this one seems a lot more dangerous in terms of the stunt work than oh, yeah. the sequels. Because I, I know that George Miller kind of, at this point, is, has been priding himself on how safe the set was for Fury Road. Uh, George Miller has gone on to direct every installment of this franchise Correct. thus far. And Happy Feet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Happy like, Feet and like Babe Pig and in babe. the City. Yeah. yeah just a, I don't know. A He's weird got a mix. style. <laughs> yeah. It's all post-apocalyptic. Um but yeah, it, this first one, it just seems like they're being a little bit less secure about everything. And obviously, it was super low budget, so none of the roads were officially closed. Yeah, it was, um, it was like use. guerrilla filmmaking. And there's a lot of like camera people hanging off of motorcycles going like over 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, well, the, all of the crashes were apparently done in a single take. Like... Yeah, I'm sure. They, they, they didn't, they didn't yeah, have you, you didn't, additional cars or motorcycles, so it was just one take, one and done. Yeah. Apparently, the woman who played Max's wife ended up being recast after a bike accident. Um, I don't know. I don't think that happened on set, I think, because there's no scenes where his wife is uh, in a vehicle or in a motorcycle anyway. Well, not um, anymore. Maybe they, cut, maybe they yeah. cut that. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't <laughs> well, know. And plus, it's one of those situations, I think, just if you're on set and there's an accident onset and you then just... it's then it's the liability of the producers yeah. and the filmmakers um uh the soundtrack was produced by brian may not that brian may <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah brian may i was really excited for this <laughs> it was much less freddie mercury than i yeah. expected uh <laughs> well <laughs> sorry if that got me that tickled me just right uh, no brian may uh because he did another australian film that i really like uh music for uh, uh the quest with henry thomas what's the other title for that uh the frog dreaming or right. also the go kids that has a lot of titles I yeah seen any and of those. just international titles or um yeah i think yeah i think in australia it was released under the frog dreaming okay uh, but uh, he also did another Henry Thomas movie, Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Oh, cool. And I was, so I was like, oh my gosh, because I was listening Brian to Brian May did that one? Yeah. Oh, cool. Was and that actually based on a comic book? Cloak and Dagger? Yeah. Um, there is a comic book called Cloak and Dagger, but I think it's totally it's different. This one's different. not. Okay. It's just a, it's it's like, like a Cold War kid. Spy stuff, yeah. Oh, okay. It's, what, it's the movie that the band Cold War Kids was based on. <laughs> That's not true. But uh, <laughs> I... I bands I'm, aren't based on movies. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> No, none of them. I guess Blink-182 is a reference to how many times Tony Montana says the F word in the movie Scarface. And uh, and you have Fall Out Boy as a reference to a TV <laughs> Blink show. Blink-182 wasn't how many times Ben Affleck blinked per minute in Phantoms. No, that's that's also. <laughs> it, it works for both. Uh, what I was going to say is uh, I was just listening to the music for this movie. I got this 
familiar tone to it. Sure, yeah. And I was like, I wonder if what other movies I've heard this type of music in, and that's what led me to the quest in Cloak and Dagger. I just think it's funny that both of them were Henry Thomas uh, vehicles. That is cool for his performance in this movie because he wasn't a huge actor at the time. Mel Gibson was paid ten thousand dollars. And the interceptor that he drives at the end of the film cost $35,000 to make. So three times his budget for the movie. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the cars were actual cars that had just been heavily modified. Right. Like stuff's thrown on them. Which well, obviously they expanded on in the sequence. That blue van at the beginning that gets like all smashed up is right. just George Miller's van. <laughs> right. Well, it was. it's the same as the van that he had. It wasn't his actual van. Oh, I thought it was his van. But that that van, the one that they used for that shot, was like the shell of a car. Like it didn't have an engine. Mm-hmm. It had no internal parts so that there was nothing to like completely damaged the car that they were crashing into it with and they literally had two people just push it into the street before they hit it with the car so that <laughs> it would look like it was at least in motion oh that's funny um we open with a credit that says a few years from now which was added in post when they realized like everywhere that we shot looks kind of crappy and empty and cheap let's just pretend that this takes place in like some terrible future yeah which like not thank God terrible that, australia right like thank god that they did that because it just spurred like all of the rest of this crazy well, yeah, like because people think of mad max type world yeah people think mad max it like the whole franchise has always been that way and it's like no they shot the entire first movie before they decided like maybe this takes place in the future maybe yeah. that's why everything looks so gross well i was super confused about the whole timeline because i hadn't i had never actually seen this one i didn't realize that that i had started the franchise with road warrior Warrior. and so i didn't know and like i started watching this movie and i'm like wait i know i know this franchise it's all post-apocalyptic and this really isn't that like he has a regular house and a regular family and a regular job (laughs) there's a few things that like are otherworldly or like kind of set you off a little bit like the cars that the cops are driving the fact that the point of these pursuits is to cause a fatal accident for yeah. the most part. Um, you hear you hear some stuff going on over the radio in the background. Yeah, uh, they talk about like curfews and things like that. And you, you and the, I think there's even stuff about like like uh, they talk about supplies and whatnot, uh, rationing like, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And there's also a sign over one of the roads at the beginning that says, "This is a high fatality road. Fifty-seven deaths this year." Yeah. So it's like it's at least a hyper violent version of the world that we know and they have a prohibited like zone like areas right. uh, areas that you just d- don't even go to because it's either too toxic or there's no protection for you there yeah or... um and we start the scene in a high speed chase uh with night rider not that <laughs> not, that, rider. not that night rider um a guy who calls himself a night rider i was very confused how this woman was driving the car <laughs> Australia, Richard. I was like, she's just crazy. She's not even holding on to the steering wheel. And that guy's holding on to that weird steering wheel on the passenger side. Um, but he's uh, he's shouting as he drives. He seems like he's like intoxicated in some way, and he's saying, yeah. "Do you see me, toe cutter? Do you see me, man?" Well, he just escaped from uh, custody, right? But him saying, "Do you see me?" reminds me of in fury road how that kind of evolved into the witness me um but yeah so uh he's driving around uh he's basically baiting these cops into chasing him very nearly misses a kid that wanders into the road yeah um and uh just totally destroys that blue van that got pushed out in front of him while he's being chased 
um, one of the other police cars that's chasing him drives through like a trailer mm-hmm. and the guy I think it's the guy in the passenger seat literally like his throat gets slit on right. a bowl that was in the trailer he's like oh he cut his neck on a saucer we're gonna need a meat wagon or something like that oh, <laughs> but, but he lives and then throughout the rest of the movie he's got like one of those little voice yeah, he's microphone dying, like, oh, he's I didn't realize that was the us. same guy <laughs> Um, I I have to say that this opening chase, as exciting as it was, ends really anticlimactic. Yeah. Like most of the chases. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I remember this movie as being, like, extremely violent. I feel like the whole franchise has that reputation of being extremely violent. But I honestly felt like there's a lot of pulled punches over the course of the film. Yeah. Um, That seems budgetary, though. Yeah, sure. But I also think that uh, George Miller himself made the point that it's like, people think of this as a super violent movie, but there's honestly like 180 frames of like actual violence happening. The rest of it is implied or happens off camera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I would even pose, like this is like one of my notes here. I think Mad Max himself only actually kills two people. Everyone else survives that he goes after. Or suicides. Yeah, or suicides. Uh, but, like, by his own hand, he only shoots one guy. Well, are, yeah, you, but you're, so you're saying he didn't kill Knight Rider? No. Knight Rider killed himself. Well, Knight Rider wasn't trying to die, though. He, he said he was a suicide machine. Well, yeah. <laughs> he did say that. But yeah, he look. he clearly was surprised at the, at the moment of death. His eyes were bulging out of his head. <laughs> But, but, wait, which two people are you considering he killed? The ones that he shot. Well, the one the one that he shot. And the one that he blew up. The one that he blew up, yeah. Every, otherwise, everyone else died as a result of either being stupid or not paying Just attention. Just narrowly avoiding his car. Well, but, like, if he chases them into their own death, like, I feel like he's I got some counts. responsibility I there. Agree. I, I agree that, that there is some responsibility. But Richard's only going to convict him on the direct manslaughter. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, and we get this shot, well, I, I don't know if it's the exact same bulging eyes, but we get this shot twice of a person's mm-hmm. eyes bulging out of their head right before the moment of impact. Yeah, I don't know. They must have just found an actor that could, like, do that crazy thing, because that is, is insane yeah, looking. Uh, he uses the same thing in uh, the Terror at uh, 30,000 Feet segment of the Twilight Zone movie. Oh, did he direct a section of that? Yeah, he directed oh, the Twilight wow, that's, awesome. that's why it's so great. Uh but yeah, he uses the same eye bulging thing, and I think it's a prosthetic in that movie. Yeah, I think um, it is here too. But it it is clearly based on those people that can push their eyes out of their head. But there's more going on than just the eye. It's like weird, like red veins and blood and stuff. Uh, it kind of looks like the dude in uh, Big Trouble in Little China, and his head is about to explode. Oh, see, I was I was gonna uh, go. Oh. I was gonna go to a recall. I was going to a recall. <laughs> yes, recall works Richard, too, yeah. Richard Ronnie Cox. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a Rob Botton face, the Total Recall one? I don't know if Rob Botton. Botine. Botine, right. We decided he's a, a Canadian um, delicacy. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if he did Total Recall. It seems it seems up his alley. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so Mad Max, I would say, kills this guy by chasing him into his <laughs> own right. death. Even, even though you make a fair argument, he did claim to be a suicide machine. <laughs> And a properly functioning suicide machine would kill itself. Um, <laughs> then we go, so we show Max at his house, and he's sort of playing with his kid on the counter, and we hear this, like, 
saxophone, like bluesy saxophone music, and you just think it's like, like oh, he's like a single dad, and he's taking care of his kid, and it's like hard life, and then it pans across the room, and his wife is actually playing the saxophone that you're I hearing. I love that moment. It just felt like a Mark Ruber moment yeah. to me. But uh, it's very funny. And, and he puts on this like mask. Yeah. Like, and it's supposed to be like some kind of like bonding thing because he he's clutching it later in the movie. Like, yeah. it's, it's so important this horrific, stupid mask. And I was like, this is what you have to remember. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's a really nice house comparatively to everything else. Like, even the police it's, station. Yeah, it's the nicest building in the whole movie. Yeah. And because later on they go on vacation, it's like, why? Why did you leave? <laughs> Because they hadn't invented staycations yet. Mm. So um, he's going off to leave because he got a call from Goose saying, I got something to show you. Um, and he tells his wife, Oh, Goose wants me down at the station early today. So I got to go. And she's like, No, don't go. And she follows him out of the building. And then she does this weird hand gesture where she like points at her head and then points at two fingers in the side of her hand and then points mm. at him. And he's like, What does that mean? And she's like, I'm crazy about you. He's mm. like, Aw. And he gets in his car and leaves. This is not sign language. It's not, yeah, it's, it's just, not any version of sign language. She's just actually crazy. I don't know if the, if it's just supposed to be like a joke that she makes up signals and then tells him what they mean later. Well, no, it's or cra- crazy, like cuckoo. But she's like... R- Richard and, is and uh, swinging his uh, finger around his ear. You. And then he did the gesture of but four. It's like, cut it out. Like, but she didn't say... <laughs> she didn't go one, two, three, four and count off four fingers. She pointed at two of them and then pointed at the side of her hand and then points at him. And then he says, I'm crazy about you. So it's, it's not even like, don't try and make sense of this. She was just being weird. No, I want to. I, I want Richard to continue to do gestures that people can't see over a no, podcast. No, this is a language that only Richard and this actress speak. Um, but yeah, so he goes to the station and finds out that what Goose wanted to show him was this really cool car. The last of the V8 interceptors. Yes, they they've souped up this vehicle with with basically parts that they stripped from other vehicles, um, and this is the car that's the thirty five thousand dollar budget car. Well, except it wasn't like an actual engine. Like the part of the engine that sticks out of the car that's supposed to be all like fancy and stuff like yeah. that. Like was just a prop where they mm-hmm. would like turn on and off the belt. So there's scenes in the in the film where you can see it like <laughs> not running when it ought to be running. Oh, I didn't even see that. <laughs> that's funny but uh yeah they rev it up a lot but he doesn't actually take it out for a spin here in this scene they're just showing it to him and then they they all get to work um the bikers this gang of bikers mm-hmm. led by this guy named toe cutter are harassing this small town which you pointed out looks a lot like the town from um oh yeah it's um it's obviously this is australia so that, it wouldn't uh, be the same town but the the town from two wong fu thanks for everything julie Ju- Newmar. yeah julie Newmar. yeah that movie it looks exactly the same but you know i looked up the shooting locations and that was shot completely in the u.s yeah so it wasn't that town but at first you were like was this the town from priscilla queen of the desert because that was shot in australia and yeah. it's also about a bunch of drag yeah, queens and my on brain the road. confused the two yeah. movies because you know but uh but it did look like that town um, but so they're there to pick up the remains of the Knight Rider who died in the explosion. Um, I don't think, I mean, they know that he died in a chase with the police, mm-hmm. but they don't know that it was Max Rokotowski or Rokotansky specifically. Right. So they're never after him specifically. 
For the whole movie, in fact. They, no, it's always it's like about his wife. That's the only yeah, they're well, they're they're trying to kill all of the people that he works with and his wife and child, but they don't even know he exists. Like they're like the Scarlet Witch of their Thanos situation. Like it, they didn't even know that he was around and the whole time that he's just been killing everyone that they that uh, Max cares about. Like he they don't the toe cutter guy doesn't even see Mad Max until the very end of the movie. Yeah, that's the first time they meet. Yeah. But um but so they're there to pick up his remains, which I guess are small parts because they're in like a child sized coffin. Right, but but also who who paid for the coffin? Yeah, who tucked all these limbs lovingly into a small box and <laughs> shipped them to a gang of bikers? Yeah. <laughs> like they're no, they're nomadic bikers. How did it's they like know all where the pieces from that the shelf and cruising? <laughs> they just have all the arms and legs that the miscellaneous file. Oh, we have enough here for a full body. <laughs> it's like, oh man, we can bury a person today. <laughs> Another Frankenstein monster for the pit. <laughs> um, but the guy in the town is like, oh yeah, I got your friend here. Uh, and they're like picking on this old man because he's not he's not taking the situation seriously enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, as they're harassing him, a, a nearby couple that are like making out in their car see what's going on and they're like oh this is like a problem these people are super violent we got to get out of here yeah this is what i i don't understand what i was worried that i missed something i was like what what sparked this chase other no, than i that think it was just that just they leaving. were scared yeah yeah but if they hadn't left they probably would have been fine or if they'd left quietly mm-hmm. but instead the kid gets in the car and like skids around in a circle and drives off down a dirt road right basically inviting all these people to chase him down and so they do. Um, <laughs> and and it's just one of those situations like where you're in a car surrounded by motorcycles and you don't hit your brake. You don't try to swerve into them. You just continue to drive straight. Yeah. The whole time I was just like, just knock them off the road. Yeah. They're right next to you. Just hit your brakes and then you they're going to go past you and yeah. then you go forward. And I don't know. Aren't you guys good at evading motorcycle mobs? Don't worry. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll be okay. <laughs> uh, My note for this is, what do the guy in the car do? <laughs> like, yeah, why, like, why are they going to kill it? No, they're just crazy. They're just crazy people who, who like a challenge. It's like if you run away from a cat, then the cat's mm-hmm. like, oh, we're playing a game. I'm going to eat you. Cats do that. They eat people. Big cats do. That's true. Um, so, yeah, they... Uh, they basically get this car disabled and attack these people on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Max and Goose pull up and they see the the guy that was driving the car running through a field completely naked. Yeah. With... And, and his ass is bright red. Aww. Yeah. His, uh, I was just like, oh man, he's bleeding out of it. And it's yeah. Like, Ugh. It's a mess. And they get up to the car and the girl is surprisingly like not stripped or murdered. Like she's, she's just... Well, she's chained. Yeah, like, she's chained to the to car, and the long, top like, has been leash thing. Yeah, the whole top has been chopped off. But then one of the bikers got like left behind, right? Because he was like too high to ride, I guess. Yeah, so everybody left him there, and so then Goose flips out on the guy, and and they try to help the girl, and uh, they. <laughs> yeah, that moment really bothered me. Like Goose is standing there, like ready to help the girl, but he's like tugging on her chain mm-hmm. that's like yeah. attached to her. I'm like, dude, this is not, not how you, how you react to a victim of you know this brutal you know 
rape or yeah, whatever the heck whatever just, just happened. happened yeah. yeah. Um. So he helps her up, and they get in the car, and they have this other guy. Well, do they? They don't all get in the car, right? Like, you're not gonna make this girl sit in the back seat of a car with the guy that was left behind with her. But there, there was only one car there that worked. Yeah. So they must have put the two of them in the back seat with each other, yeah, unless the guy in went the in the trunk. Yeah. yeah, or yeah, or or just put them in the wreck car as they tow it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. But because uh, it's in the because it's in the police impound, when right? They, they take him to the precinct, so mm-hmm. maybe that is what they did. No one arrives to testify against this guy, right? Because so, the dude that so, ran off just so apparently people have to like implement that. I mean, like 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 implicate them in this thing in order to move. So forward. I mean, someone has to charge. Someone has to you know say that the crime was committed yeah because they didn't see him do anything they just saw the aftermath so they would need at least a testimony of one of the victims and for that person to be pressing charges because otherwise it's just like i don't know what he did to these people nobody said anything Hmm. and nobody comes forward to talk to them so the bikers come to basically pick up their buddy Mm -hmm. Um, and they threaten goose Goose freaks out yeah a lot it's a. It almost reminded me of the they put on the glasses scene. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, this fight's over now. No, no, no. no he's no, back. In, he's back into it again. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought Goose was just gonna kill this guy in the parking lot, but the guy ends up getting away. I mean, he gets roughed up real good, but he ends up getting away. But then the next day, because of him roughing up the guy and catching him in the first place, mm-hmm. Goose is like, he's attacked on the road. I, I'm. I wasn't really clear on how they booby trapped this road so that he would just fly up into the air and off the side of it i, I like, i'm assuming it's slick with oil or something uh when he's on the motorcycle yeah i mean yeah i don't know if it was because his leg was injured and he couldn't like couldn't apply the both brakes or something like that yeah. or what because usually a motorcycle has you have the handbrake but you i think you still also have an actual pedal brake right. but they control different wheels uh, or they they apply power. So maybe they did something to the bike. I don't know if they did something to the bike, but because the the different the different brakes applied pressure to the different wheels at different rates, so it's not it's like it's not like 100, 50, 50. It's mm-hmm. like it's like it's like seventy thirty. Um, and if he couldn't get the one brake and he had to use the other one, it could have could have caused him to lose yeah. control. But I just feel like it doesn't. It's not. It doesn't seem like it's supposed to be his fault that he crashed mm-hmm. i thought the implication was that either the road or the bike are booby trapped but goose goes flying off the side of the road and knocked unconscious and he wakes up later which, which seems like a really weird choice because like he brings back this this tow truck or whatever to like throw his bike into and like they waited for him to be unconscious they waited while he was unconscious in this field for a ridiculously long time to wake up and then like go get his bike and a tow truck and all this stuff and then they attacked him again see that's why i think that the motorcycle that it was part, just an accident it was he was angry and he was blowing off steam so he was going too fast and oh okay maybe um then then that would explain why they didn't do anything while he was unconscious because they didn't even know he was there because okay. that wasn't part of their plan so it was just he just got in an accident by and then they were like oh hey look there's that dude that we hate yeah let's get him or and there's there's some people to attack yeah, that's true. Oh, They're you just mean crazy. like even though they like they, they these guys are responsible for their you know night riders death and you know like all yeah, of that just stuff. Like, oh, good! It's, another it's really car just to flip another over. random act of violence. Yeah. <laughs> so they flip the tow truck off the side of the road, but Goose is strapped into it, so he's stuck hanging upside down, 
And then Toe Cutter goes and dumps gasoline all over it. Mm -hmm. And then he gives the match to, what's the other? Johnny the Boy. Johnny the Boy. Who doesn't want to do it. Right. He, he's and not I don't ready to cross this bridge. Does he do it eventually? Um, I think to, they, they're, they're, they're kind of like scuffling and yeah. the match kind of flies out of his accident. hand. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it seemed like e- even in the end he didn't actually do it. Um, but they torched this car with goose in it, so he's dead. Or not? Well, no, no, he's not dead. He's not he's dead. Not dead. <laughs> like, he's... I always in my head think that he's dead, but he's not dead. No, this um, is a very important moment. Right. Um, so Max uh, goes to visit him in the hospital after he hears what happened. And he's he's not goose anymore. He's a, his goose is cooked. <laughs> oh. Wow. So uh, Max you're, basically. That's it. Nope. Nope. You're done. You're off the, the podcast. Anyway, you're done. tune in next week. You know, goose is just an unlucky name. It's like Top Gun. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking that. And that was after this. He's just ripping off George Miller. Come on, Tony. I can Scott. kill a goose too. Be better. Oh wait, you're not around anymore. That's crazy. Tony Scott. Wrong kid died. <laughs> yeah, so he quits his job. Max quits his job. Or he tries right. to quit. Well, the, yeah, because yeah. this, this incident just kind of puts him over the edge and, like, he he can't do it anymore. He's yeah, like, I'm going to, you know, like, I don't want to become what I see out there on the road. Yeah, and he yells in the chief's face, and the chief, like you pointed out, he looks a lot like the guy from. Uh, Indiana Jones oh, yeah, that the, gets hit by the propeller. The propeller guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's just shouting in his face, and he's like, "No, no, no! We need you, Max. We gotta keep you out there." If 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 the Cowboy Bebop movie was made at this time, this guy would play Jet oh, Black for sure. That'd be <laughs> like awesome. He was because he's already like watering plants, just shirtless. Yeah, he's this huge muscle bound guy, but he's also, wearing like a tie. His name is Fifi. Yeah. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, but so. Does he talk him out of quitting? Because he does leave the office. Yeah, he yeah. tells him to take a vacation instead. Oh, okay. Like, go take a vacation. Mm-hmm. Just, like, blow off some steam. And then, before you decide. like Right. So, he goes home and he's like, this is the nicest house in all of Australia. Let's leave it for a week mm-hmm. and go on the road. Um, so, he packs up his wife and kids and leaves. Um, and the and- kid's name... What what is the kid's name? Sprog. 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 Yeah, I had to look that one up because I'm like, what the heck is she shouting yeah. right now? Obviously, at the time, uh, Mr. Gibson had a very thick Australian accent, so I was mishearing this every time he said it. But Sprog, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and in this movie, like, I can't tell you the number of times I was like, who is watching their child? Where is their kid? Like, there are so yeah. many scenes where you're like, okay, the kid was just with them like a minute ago. And now he's just gone. And now like he's Everybody nowhere to be seen. Ways. I mean, I know it was probably like a restriction of their shooting ability with the kid because shooting with sure. kids is just, you know, ridiculously It's also 1980. Do. People didn't watch their kids in 1980. But it just seems really weird that like there's no... Like there's so little recognition of I should be watching my child right now. And it's not even she goes to the attention. beach. Right, yeah. She goes to the beach, and then she, when she comes back looking for the kid who, like, left it on a blanket, it's like, was he yeah, just... Yeah, she fell asleep on the beach. <laughs> and, like, while she fell asleep on the beach, her dog ran away. Like, <laughs> it was like, she went to the beach and fell asleep, and Max was, like, working on the car. The, the last time we saw the kid, he was just in the middle of a field playing with toys, and she just walked away from Well, it. I think they, she, she finds the dog in the woods. Right. Well, we're well, skipping yeah, some yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, the first thing that happens, they have some car trouble. They got a flat tire, or it's their but, spare needs fixing. Yeah, like they, I guess they they had a flat and they changed it out, but now they want to get the spare 
replaced so that they have it for the next time um so they pull over to this mechanic and he says oh you know there's an ice cream shop right over there a bunch of murderous bikers just went over there (laughs) and so they're like oh cool my kid loves ice cream what do you say about bikers and he said anyway what you need a spare tire um so she goes to the ice cream shop while max is like hashing out the deal with this guy um they come out of the ice cream store eating their ice cream, presumably unfazed by the certainly dead staff of this ice cream store. <laughs> well, and then... <laughs> like, they just scooped it up themselves because they were like, are you guys are you guys alive? No? All right. What do you want? Butterscotch? <laughs> As the exit, there is a very creepy, like, meowing and buying happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like... <laughs> they're, they're making weird sounds as they're following her. They're just a crew of animals. And uh, she immediately gets picks up the kid and starts hightailing it out as fast as she can um she gets to the car and starts it up and as she's driving away one of the guys decides here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna tie a chain around my hand (laughs) and i'm gonna whip it around the back of the car so that if i catch onto the car she can't possibly get away from me (laughs) but she's driving fast enough at this point that it just tears his hand completely off (laughs) which is a great reveal yeah so you just see him throw this chain and it whips around the car and it connects, but it looks like, oh, he just let go of the chain. Yeah. But then when she pulls up next to Max, she's like, you got to get in the car right now. And he's like, well, I didn't finish paying this guy. And he's like, get in the car. And they leave. And then the bikers come out and they're like, which way do they go? And the mechanic's like, I think they were going north somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that's how they figure out where to go. But what I love is she loads the kid in the back of the car and then does like a full on like drift in the parking lot. Yeah. And the kid's not in a seat. He's just sitting rolling in the around in the back, back yeah, of a car. It's 1980, yeah. you know. That's sprog for you. <laughs> but then they continue on like nothing happened. I'm assuming she must have told him that oh yeah, there was a Oh, the reason serious... that I freaked out back there yeah. was that a bunch of bikers tried to murder me and your son. Yeah. And it's like But don't worry, Mad I Max humiliated was like their leader. I'm so mad that they call me Mad Max, but I'm not going to turn around and do anything about that. That's okay that people tried to murder you. Let's let, let, let that ruin our vacation where we just fix this car over and over again. So they pull up to some ranch that I guess they know the people there. Yeah. Um, and Max decides to finish the work that the mechanic started by doing something to the car. And she decides she's going to go down to the beach and just go to sleep. Who knows where baby Sprague is? Yeah, yeah Spr- and the beach is like four miles away or something. Yeah, like she that. has to walk like through a forest and down a hill. <laughs> yeah. and, and then she just lays down in the middle of the beach and goes to sleep. And we see the dog like lured off somewhere. But by the time she wakes up, she's like, huh, my dog ran away. Oh, oh well. well. <laughs> it's not like, uh, well, he knows his way around. And it's like, oh, wait, we've never been here. But um, so she walks back up to the car but on her way through the woods, suddenly she gets hit in the face with the dog's remains yeah. hanging from a tree. Um, and that's when she realizes that things are bad. I, I love I love that every time she looks back, they're just going behind some trees. Yeah. <laughs> so you just always catch a glimpse of them just going into hiding. Which is how I hide from the kids whenever we're playing games. I like wait until they start to look at me and then I move behind something. Mm-hmm. It's a fun way to terrify people. But then she encounters uh, the property owner's uh, mentally handicapped son. Right. Uh, which is also a con- kind of a common theme in a lot of these Mad Max movies, that there's always like... A mama's boy. Brute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so, but she's creeped out, I think, 
because I think she just wasn't expecting, or she doesn't know if he's responsible for right. what's going on. Yeah. But uh, so she continues and runs, gets back to the house, but she's now like. And the old woman is like, "Oh no, he's just. He, this is my son. He's he's very kind and he's he's and just a baby. Just, well, something terrible happened, and we need to go now. I need to find Max. Where is my son? Where is my son? And starts freaking out. So another instance of like, I guess, child neglect. So like, you know, they they like take off. Like this woman is starting to protect like. You know, uh, the woman that lives at the ranch. The, the older woman, woman, yeah, the yeah. older woman that lives at the ranch is like protecting her and and Sprague, and they like take off. But like, no regard for this mentally handicapped boy who clearly had nothing to do with this. That mm-hmm. I don't, right, they might leave be him behind son. with a bunch of murderous like, bikers. Yeah, you left him behind with these murderous guys. <laughs> well, and Max. Yeah, they left Max. Um, but before they even leave Max and and the big boy. Um, they find the kid with the bikers, um, because they they pick the kid up off of his blanket and were holding him. Oh right, like right, right. around a corner, and right. the older woman pulls a gun on them mm-hmm. and tells them to like back off into the room and let go of the kid, and we're gonna get out of here. So they push everyone into a building, close the door, take the kid in the truck, and then drive off. Right. But again, the car breaks down not far down the road, and the bikers like it doesn't even seem like they're trying to do anything other than just kill this woman like they they don't well, even like she need she need toe cutter in the balls like, right yeah. and she ripped a guy's hand off that's true um but uh, as soon as she gets out of the car because it broke down she just starts running down the middle of the road mm-hmm. yeah, and then they serpentine just, serpentine yeah. like get off the road and <laughs> and they just hit her with their bikes yeah. which we don't really see happen we see Shoes go flying. Yeah, shoes go flying. And and then Max catches up with them on foot and just runs up to this pile in the road. And Mm -hmm. we just assume what happened. And that's when he switches to, like, full berserker John Wick mode. But the the child 100% is dead. But she's still alive. I don't know why they bothered with that. Yeah, that both Goose and her should have just been dead. Like, it's, it's a much simpler story. Um, but yeah, that he's like in the hospital listening to two nurses talk and they say, well, they lost the kid and the woman's brain dead, but she's still alive. So just I mean, I tell guess... him she's alive. Don't tell him that she's brain dead. And he's just standing right there. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess maybe this is just, just mimics like the reality of what was happening in these accidents that he was seeing. Yeah, maybe. It's like people aren't necessarily dying, but their lives are being destroyed. Yeah. And apparently, uh, his last name, Rokitansky in the script is... He's actually named after a procedure developed by a Dr. Rokitansky for removing organs after an autopsy is performed because enough of those were performed in the uh, in the wake of these automobile accidents. Um, but yeah, so um, he hears what happened and then he decides, okay, well, I'm going to go get that really cool interceptor and I'm going to intercept some stuff. And uh, he chases down the bikers. Yeah. And and just causes them to jump into water or fall off their motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, the the first the first um, <laughs> yeah, this first plan of attack doesn't work out so well. Yeah, he he pulls up on the side of the road and they're like in the in the grass all around him, uh, you know, like Revolutionary War style, like oh dumb British taking the road, mm-hmm. and uh, they shoot through his leg. Well, uh, I wanted to cover before this. Oh sure. Uh, 
because he, he lures these guys onto the bridge and then drives them off the bridge. Oh, that was that happened first? That happens first. Oh, okay. Uh, but because what was crazy is like this one stuntman comes flying off his motorcycle and he's sliding across the ground. And he gets hit with the other bike. He gets hit by the other yeah, motorcycle. Yeah, he gets yeah. hit in the head with a tire. It looks bad. Yeah. It, he really did get hit in yeah. the head. Like that was legit accident. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that stunt now. I, I didn't yeah, even think uh, about it again until you uh, said that. Um, so now that all that's left of this gang now is just three. Yeah, it's it, Toe Cutter and these two other guys. Yeah, uh, 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 the boy, Bubba, Bubba I yeah. want to say, and then Johnny the boy. Yeah. Um, and so one of them shoots him through the leg, mm-hmm. and he's limping across the road to his sawed-off shotgun. And probably my favorite shot of the movie, just this like semi-fisheye lens following mm-hmm. him as he's like limping across the road to get to his gun. And then right as the guy is just about to hit him with his bike, mm-hmm. he lifts up the gun and fires and knocks just him off the bike. Off and that's it. Bubba. Yeah. Um, so now it's just Toe Cutter and Johnny the Boy. And Johnny the Boy makes a run for it. Yeah. Because he's he's only like half committed to this group anyway. And now, mm-hmm. that, now that it seems like they're overpowered, he's like, nope, no loyalty, I'm out. Um, and uh, so him... Uh, Mad Max and Toe Cutter get in a chase. Yeah, and as soon as he leaves the scene where they, they that the scene where it's just happened, where Bubba's body is on the ground, there's already a bird of like eating the carcass. Yeah, it lands like <laughs> right next to them as soon as he leaves. <laughs> so I was like, man, things. And uh, we should talk about like some of the sounds of the the birds, the crows. Yeah. The the crows are like this audio cue that these guys are nearby. Yeah. Because you just hear like these like, and they're not like American crows. They're not like the. It's not like a. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. Like, almost like they're laughing. Yeah. And he he reused effects in Fury Road a lot. Oh okay. But uh, I guess maybe that's just how crows sound in Australia. That's their Australian <laughs> accent. That's that's crowist. I don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Crowsist. Crowsist. But yeah, so now he's chasing uh, Toe Cutter, who's on the defensive 100, percent and uh, they keep flipping Yui's and trying mm-hmm. to trick each other but eventually max drives him over the top of a hill where he has kind of low visibility and uh the bike just slams straight head on into the front of a 18 wheeler that's yeah. coming over the hill which you can tell just has like a big metal board it's on like the front a of it false mm-hmm. front that's just painted so it... to look like the front of a truck because the guy didn't want to wreck his truck that was going to ruin this real truck <laughs> So um, I'm sure it wasn't great for the vehicle anyway to yeah, crash yeah. a motorcycle full speed and then it. roll over it. Yeah, but um, but apparently that was enough to get it in the movie, um, and and we get that glimpse of his eyes bulging out of his head again yeah. right before he hits the front of the car. So now it's just Johnny the boy who not only ran off but is so short term memory that he doesn't recognize Max in the next scene. Yeah. So uh, I think he's by like the sight of just a completely new crash mm-hmm. where a car has driven off the side of the road and there's a body there and he's like digging stuff out of the car and taking stuff off of the corpse mm-hmm. and mad max walks up and he's like oh no he was dead when i got here i'm just taking stuff like you understand like you would do the same thing if you were me and uh and he's like okay no <laughs> he handcuffs him to the car and then dumps gasoline everywhere mm-hmm. and then he starts pulling it in the headlamp yeah, he's making like a, a time delay switch. But I forget what's actually causing the time. He, he left a, a, a cigarette lighter. Okay, and so well, it's like and, once it the, fills up. Well, yeah, once uh, it fills up, it's going to pour out of this broken headlight that it's filling up. And when it pours out, it'll hit the 
the match and explode. And light everything up. Yeah. And he turns to Johnny the boy and he throws him like a hacksaw. Mm -hmm. And he says, The chain in those handcuffs is high tensile steel. It'll take you 10 minutes to hack through it with this. Now, if you're lucky, you can hack through your ankle in five minutes. Go. And then he leaves. Yeah. And we get sort of like a montage of him driving away to show that five or ten minutes has passed and then the explosion happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we assume that he's dead. Right. I hope that that five-minute hacksaw comment was also based in reality. Like, based on his experience as a medical doctor. Yeah, like, he knows ugh. for a fact how long it takes to get an ankle off. I can't imagine it takes a whole five minutes if you're trying. <laughs> like, I feel like once you've committed to it, it's like, this is going to take one minute. <laughs> because I'm going to do this as fast as I can so I don't have to spend five minutes of my life doing this. <laughs> he cuts to the ankle. Ha Two minutes. Wrong foot. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that would be so great. Oh, my God. But this... And then he starts cutting his hand off. Wait a minute. So this whole thing is very obviously reminiscent of the Saw movies. Right. Which is probably inspired by this. It scene. actually is. James Wan said that he credited the finale of this film for inspiring right. the, Cause the he's, traps uh, he's of he's Australian. Right. Yeah. So is he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but yeah, and that's the end of the film for this installment. We'll get through all of them eventually. Yeah. It's going to be a long time before we hit Fury Road. But. Do you know who's not Australian? Who's that? Mel Gibson. <laughs> Is he not? He was born in New York. He didn't go to Australia until he was 12. Oh, uh, that's Australian. Well, maybe. No, I don't Australia, know. I, no, Australian I, enough. I mean, I don't know what citizenships he technically has, but sure. like he was born in New York. <laughs> that's interesting. I always thought he was born there. No, he didn't go there until he was 12. I mean, he went to college there and, you know, acting school and all that stuff. But. Yeah. Hmm. Um, director George Miller, uh, as we said, obviously, he, di- he did all the Mad Max movies. He was 70 when he directed Fury Road, which is insane. It's amazing. Uh, it's so, so great. Just best film of that year should have won best picture hands down best um, film of that year uh and we like we said babe in the uh, babe pig in the city and happy feet he also apparently i didn't realize this did witches of eastwick and lorenzo's oil yeah uh i i, I remember when lorenzo's oil came out a long time ago uh, but, but again like he doesn't have like a genre that he fits into really. yeah Witches of eastwick is great though yeah that's the uh, Jack Nicholson one with the share Pfeiffer that's a good one um, screenplay writer James McCausland uh, has a cameo in the film as a bearded man wearing an apron outside of Fat Nancy's restaurant at the beginning yeah um, Mel Gibson obviously Braveheart Lethal Weapon Passion of the Christ uh, an upcoming Waldo movie <laughs> Ooh. Uh, this is the premise of the upcoming Waldo movie a disgraced ex-cop seeks solace by moving to the woods, but his quiet life comes to an end when a private eye recruits him to investigate a murder. So they're, they're doing a dark turn on the character. On the, of Where's Waldo? Yeah. Okay, that's not really based on Where's Waldo, right? You're joking. <laughs> I'm assuming it's not. <laughs> okay. I was going to um, say, because I'm pretty sure that DreamWorks holds the rights right I'm now pretty to sure Waldo they do. because yeah. we well, just released an animated series about it for yeah. kids. <laughs> maybe they own the animated rights and this is oh, the live maybe, action. Oh, maybe somebody else owns the live action rights. Are there live action rights to Waldo? I yeah. guess there is. If there was, it, it would not be Mel Gibson. <laughs> it would not be the choice. It would be what? John Oliver or somebody? I, I just I just hope the movie, he just wears that red cap. 
Yeah. And there's nothing else related to Yeah, Waldo? he's just naked, except <laughs> for the cap. That'd be perfect. I agree, Richard. Uh, <laughs> Toe Cutter is played by Hugh Keysburn, who, of course, came back to the franchise for Fury Road as Immortan Joe. Yeah. Amazing. So cool. I'm so glad that that's a thing that happened. Which makes me want them to get um, uh, Vernon Wells to come back for the next movie, however they can. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Roger Ward played Fifi. He was also Brophy and Quigley Down Under. Oh, okay. Probably my my favorite Australian film. Um, really? I think so. I really more, like Quigley Down Under more than Fury Road. I guess that's technically. Are you talking? About, are you just talking about movies that take place? in Movies Australia? about Australia. Okay. Um, but you're right. Fury Road is probably just barely above Quigley Down Under in terms of <laughs> well. Yeah, I'm trying to think of where I would put Rescuers Down Under now. (laughs) This is so hard. This is so hard, people. We make it look easy. Uh, David Brax played Mudguts. He is also in Crocodile Dundee as Bert. Um, There's the the underground mechanic character was played by David Cameron, but not the UK Prime Minister. We have so many of these in this (laughs) film. So many. Not that prime ministers um <laughs> different prime minister and then you had jerry day playing ziggy who apparently has done like cameron electric crew on lost world austin powers big lebowski so he moved behind the camera for the rest of his career um yeah what do you guys think up or down well you didn't mention so all the the gang like the gang were just they were all extras who are actually people from a motorcycle gang. Right. They were paid in like beer they to were, be in the movie. They were paid in slabs of beer. <laughs> Sla- slabs. I had to Google a slab of beer. Is that just like a It's like a twenty four pack. Like what I okay. <laughs> but but I loved their relationship. Like that they would just start like dancing with each other. Yeah. Or like they were like laying with each other and they were they had a like I guess it's the same kind of bond that all the bad guys have in all the Mad Max movies, right? Yeah, where they're just like it's, it's kind of a family. It's a family. Yeah. yeah, they they feel like the uh, the family from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. It's just a ragtag group of hooligans that murder people, but that's about everything, right? I mean, yeah. other than obviously the the huge franchise we we talked about that it started. Yeah. Um, there it, will be more to go into in this in the mythology of this whole series. I, I think, like Jesse, I think Road Warrior was my introduction into Mad and Max. And it's also probably the most celebrated of yeah. the whole batch. Like, it's the biggest cult film. I know Fury Road is popular now because it came out recently, but I think Road Warrior is still the movie from this franchise that gets talked about the most. Because it's, it's the one that took the inkling of this idea of this world and made it much more extreme right they go deep into the post-apocalyptic yeah way more leather but also then like thunder road just or not thunder um thunder dome takes a couple of weird turns yeah well thunder Thunder dome i think goes even farther into like the oh you thought road warrior was weird compared to mad max like i think they took it like exactly as far to get to beyond thunderdome where they're like i guess oh it's even crazier now and there's all this ridiculous stuff happening with mutants and like thunderdome reminds me very much of the super mario brothers movie (laughs) (laughs) it's just like it's just this weird society yeah and there's just like gasoline and flame jets happening all over it's just like i don't know how yeah i mean mario brothers one of the dimensions is post-apocalyptic yeah really um but yeah, 
it's a great franchise and i'm i'm excited to dig into more of it i think it's a while before road warrior what year is that that'd be like 84 84? 81 oh 81 All okay right. so Won't we get to it long. sooner than i thought not bad um so yeah up or down on this i think i know the answer but what are we what oh, do you yeah. say this I is it's, up. I think it's a for sure watch it. it's a definite should watch where does this go in your letterbox to rank jess so uh this is pretty darn high actually because my current top of the list is uh my brilliant career and uh this comes right after that which right, is just so above the fog australia fan are you apparently yeah uh once again i will <laughs> i will follow jesse's lead right and, below my brilliant career and right below my brilliant and right above the fog oh so close you guys it's actually the best one so far <laughs> <laughs> it's actually on the top of the list which for me means it's right above the fog which was right above hey, the fog. Hey, we court. all put it right above the fog. Yeah. We all agree on something. This movie makes the fog look like dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. I love you, John Carpenter. Um, all right. I think that's everything for this one. Um, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as we've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. Um, also, we have a website, vintagevideopodcast.com, that I haven't been plugging that Jesse worked very hard on and it looks very cool. <laughs> so check that out. Um, please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. And if you're feeling especially generous, you can always support the show through patreon.com slash vintagevideopodcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you'll join us next time when we review Saturn 3, which I decided on IMDb's summary this time. Two lovers stationed at a remote base in the asteroid fields of Saturn are intruded upon by a retentive technocrat from Earth and his charge, a malevolent eight-foot robot, Farrah Fawcett, Harvey Keitel, and Kirk Douglas star. We leave you now with the trailer for Saturn 3. In an isolated sector of our solar system, Suspended in orbit around the sixth planet from our sun lies a distant outpost, a technologically perfect world where mistakes are impossible because the impossible is unthinkable. It is called Saturn III. Each year for 22 days, a solar eclipse plunges this outpost into shadow lock. Total darkness. All communication is terminated. This year, the inhabitants of Saturn III are about to experience the unthinkable. A nightmare so perfect it could only have been made by man Captain, Major, this is my partner. There are only four inhabitants on Saturn III. One of them is not human. Don't let him touch me! Do as you're told, be still.